Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, this is Heart of the Matters. This is Heart of the Matters. Try and get all people to walk toward the love of Christ in freedom. We want religious freedom. We want people to be free from the shackles of religion, and that's why we get together. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we uh, thank you. We seek you. We're so grateful for uh, people who go and work hard to get this going, this show, and out to others. We pray for those who are seeking you in spirit and truth, sons and daughters who are walking in faith and trying to love. And so be with us now as we talk about this next concept in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we began, remember, uh, maybe not remember, last week we started talking about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the sacrament. And we talked all about how what religion has done with communion, the sacrament, the Eucharist. And uh, we talked about the LDS taking of communion that Jesus established and sort of turning it into something that it didn't begin to be. Now, a couple of things to note right off the bat. First of all, much of the LDS sacrament prayer is in harmony with the biblical purposes of communion as Jesus commanded his disciples, who had taken on the name of Christ, obviously, to participate in a ritual of remembrance. So the LDS uh, prayer over their sacrament includes that. And so we have to tip a hat to that. That's right in target with the purpose for communion, at least. When Jesus uh, gives the uh, sacrament prayer uh, in the Book of Mormon, it says, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son and always remember him. Those two things were certainly implicitly present in the communion that Jesus instituted. You guys, Remember me through doing this. This is my body. This is my blood. Remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. And also the idea that they had taken upon the name of Christ, which in that day was very, very treacherous to their uh, survival. So they they both are present in the LDS uh, uh, sacrament prayer. But again, the the Lord told his disciples to participate in that communion whenever they came together, and to do it until he returned to take them. If he has not come back and taken his church as promised, then communion ought to continually be practiced by believers. But if he has come back, as the Bible clearly describes in 70 AD, with the destruction of material religion, and just read Josephus and all the historians, if he has come back, then the need for this communion ritual is over. It's done. Now, we said last week, if people want to participate in it, whatever, you have your right, you have your freedom, do what you want. But just understand, in context of what the scripture says, it's not needed once he comes. Of course, I ardently maintain that Jesus has come and taken his bride as his apostles and as Jesus promised he would. So all the stuff that the Catholics and Protestants and LDS are doing around communion is just plain church as far as I'm concerned. That's all it is. But let's assume, 
together that Jesus did not do what he said he would do in Matthew 24, 34, that within a generation, he, all the things he had described to them would happen. Let's say it didn't happen. And the world is still waiting for Jesus to come back. What is not biblical? What is man-made in the LDS communion prayer, their LDS sacrament prayer? What doesn't fit what Jesus established? If you're following the Bible, Jesus shared the elements of his communion, which were very symbolic uh, at the time, and they were unleavened bread, which represents sinlessness, because this is my body, unleavened bread, and wine, which is sterilized by the alcohol and the pureness of his blood. It was real wine, it wasn't grape juice, and it was unleavened bread. So right off the bat, if we want to look at the LDS sacrament, they use any kind of bread they want. And it's all, it's, all, it's all leavened. I've never had unleavened bread at an LDS sacrament service. It's all leavened bread. So they co- totally throw that symbolism right out the door. They'll serve wheat bread. They'll serve wonder bread. I used to love the wonder bread sacraments because it was soft and terrible for you. But so they'll, they'll give you any kind of bread. And then they use plain old tap water. For their, for, their, uh, for their drink. Now, uh, if I was going to remember the Lord's Supper, and if I believed he was coming back to take his bride and his church, I would want to do the communion that he set up and he uh, instituted with his uh, 11 apostles in that upper room before he went and died. But right now, the significant elements that he himself established uh, have become hollow, representations of modernity they are just like sterile water and not sterile but water and any kind of bread instead of unleavened bread representing his broken body and his pure blood through the wine but that's just me that's maybe i'm being a little picky and if people want to eat water and bread in remembrance of the communion again they're right i love them i don't that's up to them but that's not the real infraction that we're really concerned about the far more sinister absolutely sinister uh, element of the LDS sacrament uh, is that it takes the people and puts them into tremendous spiritual, even physical bondage. So let me explain. You ready? The prayer says again, O God, the eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son. That's all harmony. Eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son. Perfect. And witness unto thee, O God, the eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son. Well, you do that at baptism. This is a renewal of the baptismal covenant. So we want to take upon the name of thy Son. That's in harmony with Scripture. And always remember him. Remember, this is do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So that's in harmony with scripture. And keep his commandments, which he has given them, that they may always have his spirit to be with them. Amen. Did you catch it? That line that they the partakers of the sacrament are willing to take upon the name of the son. Always remember him so far. So good. And keep his commandments, which he has given them. Boom. That's one red flag 
that they may always, that they may always have his spirit with them. Boom, another red flag. Because what that says is that if you don't keep the commandments that he has given you, you will not have his spirit to be with you. So we have a game that is included at the end of this sacrament prayer to the people who are renewing their baptismal covenants in the LDS church. And that is, I'm willing to keep all the commandments, not just some of them. I'm willing to keep all the commandments that Jesus has given me. And I do this so that I might have the Holy Spirit with me, making the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life totally conditional upon their performance of doing what the LDS Church says are Jesus' commandments. See, in the Bible, Jesus instituted the Passover ritual of eating and drinking between his followers as a means to sustain his memory among believers in midst turmoil and persecution. There is no connection to there being a covenant or commitment to keeping his commandments or Paul's instructions in that communion setting. This is what Mormonism does. Joseph did it. He took a concept. He kept elements of that concept there. And then he added and inserted extra things. They call this the restored gospel. Well, the added insertion of these special things are what tip the scales of Mormonism being really a cult. Really, that's what it is. It's a cult. Because it takes people and it adds to what Jesus said. And it puts them in bondage to those add-tos. This is just the tip of the iceberg, though, of the LDS system. Sorry. It's just just barely showing through the surface of the water. Below is a massive monstrosity. But just the tip of the iceberg is water baptism for eight-year-olds and converts, and then this renewal of the sacrament prayer where you're willing to keep the commandments of Jesus. Remember, our Mormon brothers and sisters are renewing the covenants they made at their authorized LDS baptism When you were baptized from the LDS website, LDS authorized website, it says, when you were baptized, you entered into a covenant with God. You promised to take upon yourself the name of Christ, keep his commandments, serve him to the end. That's what the official LDS website says. And you renew this covenant each time you partake of the sacrament, end quote. Now, hear me clearly. This is religion, pure and simple. This has nothing to do with relationship. This has to do with the being born again, being hidden or clothed in ordinances, people going to church to receive those ordinances, and then every week repeating what they are supposed to be doing based on the promises made in the ordinance taking. So I've, if an individual chooses to live their religious life this way, That's okay. If they think this keeps them on the straight and narrow with God, believing that this is what they ought to do in their life, if our LDS brothers and sisters really believe this is is what it's all about, they have that right. Because really, they're not really any different than the Presbyterians or the Methodists or the Baptists. Uh, And so I don't know how those they criticize Mormonism because most do the same thing to their members. They put them in some sort of you better be doing this type of role. Um, 
So it's not just the system of religion that the LDS use in their sacraments that bothers me. The Catholics are doing the same system, and the LDS probably took it from it in their approach to the Eucharist. The problem that I have with the LDS sacramental covenant is how they interpret what Jesus' commandments are. Remember, they add the line, and that you're willing to keep his commandments, which he has given them that they may always have his spirit to be with them. So we now have to have the interpretation of what are the commandments Jesus has given them? And if you ask a good Latter-day Saint, good people, they'll say all of them. And you say all of the commandments Jesus has given you, and they say yes. And this is where Mormonism goes way beyond religiously minded Catholics and and non-denoms and denominational Christian churches. Way beyond, way beyond the pale, hands down. In this way, Mormonism is the most oppressive, controlling system of religion on earth outside of maybe fundamentalist Islam and lesser known cults of totalitarian practices upon their people. Mormonism, in terms of a popular, well-known church, does more in terms of these controlling oppressive practices than any other. And Catholicism is up there too, but nothing like Mormonism. So generally speaking, the path of overt control and life oppression that Mormonism imposes on its people uh, who really want to be good and do well is they baptize people in water approved only by the priesthood holders. Only priesthood holders can do the baptism, proprietary product. The person baptized becomes a member of their church by virtue of this baptism. And at that time, they receive the Holy Spirit by laying on of hands by someone holding this this priesthood, which is false. When we get to priesthood, we'll talk about it. They bestow this priesthood and they call that one, two, baptism, bestowal of priesthood, rebirth, spiritual rebirth. That comes through the ordinances of the Mormon church. And then every week after receiving those two things, at eight years older as a convert, they take upon themselves the name of Christ. Not a bad thing in terms of identification. They say they will always remember him and everything they do, that they're always going to remember Christ. And that's the basis for the communion being established by Jesus in the first place. But then, like any sinister system of religion made by man, they toss in the man-made concept which is they also promise at baptism to keep his commandments, which he has given them, that they may always, that they may always have his spirit to be with them. And so the natural thinking is, Bishop, I don't feel like I have the spirit with me. Well, are you keeping his commandments that he has given you? Well, I'm trying. Well, let's walk through your life and see what commandments you're not obeying or are obeying. And you go through the laundry list and you get to one of the commandments that the LDS church says Jesus has given the people and the person hasn't been doing that and say, well, that's the reason you're not feeling the spirit. You're not, you're not getting the spirit. You're not keeping all the commandments that Jesus has given you. That's called religious bondage through the nose. It's killing these people. That's why the suicide rates and everything else, I believe, in the state are so high. So this is a really big hook that these people get in uh, religion, whether they realize it or not. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Then once they have received these baptismal covenants, uh, 
they are, as a member, required to repeat them every Sunday. And that is why the LDS uh, have their sacrament. That is what the communion represents. Not something Jesus established, something they did. Whether they realize this or not, this system or approach keeps LDS members coming back week after week to the meetings. It keeps the faithful doing that sacramental communion thing weekly as a means to stay holy before God. It's fulfilling an obligation they have as a member of this church, which created this system in the first place. And uh, it keeps them in line for doing what God had wants them to do by way of Jesus' commandments to them, ensuring that if they keep this repeated cycle for life, amidst everything else I'm going to mention in just a minute, if they keep repeating that cycle for life, they will be found worthy to enter into God's kingdom as water baptism serves as the entryway into his kingdom for the Latter-day Saints, as does the renewal of that act through a sacrament. Okay, so far, from what the Bible teaches, all this stuff is pretty demanding, but it is pretty much aligned with what most major denoms do in some fashion or another with their members. After all, it keeps them coming back to do their rituals, which is communion. That's half the battle in managing religious people, right? Keeping them coming back. You got to keep them coming back. And so the use of communion sacrament is the way to do that. The name of the game. But when they add that line that they keep the commandments which he has given them, that they may always have his spirit to be with them, our LDS brothers and sisters are introduced to a manipulation that's really impossible to live. They really can't do it. It's super hard to live, and it's really hard to get rid of this mindset if you leave Mormonism, that you need to constantly redoing your rebirth by taking the ordinances and renewing them at the sacrament table and on and on and on. If, I haven't even taken the sacrament in three months, someone might say. They feel so badly because they haven't experienced that weekly spiritual renewal through the ordinances of the LDS Church. So the manipulation, and we'll wrap it up, arrives in three diabolical parts. First, LDS people at baptism and the weekly sacrament table promise to keep the commandments which Jesus has given them. There's the first Second, there's the implication in the sacrament prayer that in order to have the Spirit with them, they must keep those commandments which Jesus has given them, which they said they're willing to keep. Therefore, having the Spirit is a holy, conditional, and tenuous experience for a Latter-day Saint. And third, which is real manipulation over all the others, is how the LDS define the commandments that Jesus has given them. My friends, this all starts on eight-year-olds and converts. It's like they take a small anaconda, just a little baby anaconda, this big, and they put it around the neck of that eight-year-old when they're baptized. And they have it there around their neck for the rest of their lives. Each week, the LDS, having committed to keeping the commandments that Jesus has given them, that they might be able to have the Holy Spirit with them, are reminded of this promise when they go to the sacrament table. And every passing week, 
these people are introduced from eight-year-old on or as converts on to more commandments Jesus has given them. They just stack it on bit by bit, like feeding that little anaconda a little mouse every time they give you a new one, right? So here you go, little anaconda. Here is you should keep a journal. And the snake eats it, and the snake gets bigger around their neck. Looking to the New Testament, John the Beloved, listen, we're almost done. He summarizes the commandments Jesus gave to his believers. Are you ready? The Beloved summarizes them. John, 1 John 3.23 says, and this is his commandment. Here you go. You ready? That we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. That is the summary in the New Testament of his commandments. Believe, faith, and love. Those are his commandments. If the LDS meant that when they said and keep the commandments that he has given them, that they may always have a spirit to be with them, and they meant have faith and love, I'd be okay. But the problem is the LDS go and have recreated the commandments that Jesus and God apparently gives to the members of their church through the inspiration of prophets and apostles. And the anaconda grows to life-taking strength where it wraps around them slowly, exhausting the breath in them, crushing it out of them where they can't take another breath in. It's so tight around them. You see, that's called spirit quenching. It removes the pneuma out of your breath, out of your body, crushing you down by this giant beast because the, the uh, commandments that the Mormon church says Jesus has given them are so overwhelming. Let me end the show with this. You got to repent constantly. Repent means uh, recognize you have sin, feel sorrow for that sin, confess that sin to God and a bishop if it's egregious, ask for forgiveness, make restitution for that sin, forsake that sin. That is when repentance to a Mormon has happened. And they want you to repent weekly when you're being given that sacrament. Prayer, daily prayer, daily scripture study, alone, with your wife, with your family. So three times if you're really doing it. Fasting, at least once a month, and giving the money you would have spent on food to the church. Bearing testimony of the truthfulness of the gospel publicly and to family and friends who aren't members or even members. Receiving all the ordinance and rites that are given by the LDS church, including water baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, priesthood ordinations, um, the sacrament every week, the temple and endowments and and, uh, baptisms for the dead, and ordinance work that goes on there. Keeping a Sabbath day holy from 12 o'clock midnight on on Saturday night all the way till 12 o'clock midnight Sunday night. The most faithful LDS have read the talks, have read the speeches, have heard them from their prophets. Keep the Sabbath day, which they call it a Sunday, holy. Obey a word of wisdom, which are the laws of health. Don't break it in any way, in any way. Sustain your local priesthood leaders and don't murmur against them. Obey the law of chastity, which means you won't have any sexual, any kind of sexual relationship with anybody outside your lawfully married spouse. 
pay a full tithing and other requested offerings. By the way, that includes masturbation because that's a sexual engagement with someone that's not your spouse. Pay a full tithing and other offerings. Attend your church meetings, especially sacrament meeting. Magnify your church callings. Obey the laws of the land. Share the gospel through missionary work. Do family genealogy. Be willing to consecrate everything you've been given to the church. Attend the temple often. Be a valiant home teacher, if male. Visiting teacher, if female. If they still do that, I'm not sure. Follow the prophets and apostles. And that means uh, accepting Joseph Smith was a uh, prophet of this dispensation and the Book of Mormon, which he apparently translated, and the Doctrine and Covenants, which he had received by revelation, and the Pearl of Great Price, which he translated and received by revelation, and then the prophets today who tell you not to get more than one, uh, two piercings in each year for girls and wear bikini or don't wear bikinis, wear one pieces. I don't know if they still say that. Don't date till you're 16. And all the things the prophets say, these are the commandments Jesus has given you that you might have the spirit to be with you. And then there's a whole host of sub commandments that the real strong members believe the, uh, Jesus has given them through the prophets that must be kept. And that includes bearing and raising children and uh, keeping a personal journal, subscribing to church periodicals, honoring positive church history, avoiding negative church history, staying off anti-Mormon sites, observing specific grooming standards and requirements, no tats, uh, adhering to uh, specific apparel guidelines, skirts should be this long, pants shouldn't be this tight, Avoiding caffeinated drinks. This is part of the word of wisdom. But some people take it to far, far extremes. Maintain a one-year food supply. And that's, I don't know if they still do that, but they used to. Participate in Boy Scouts. I think they've extricated themselves from that. Uh, remain free from consumer credit card debt. Don't watch R-rated movies or anything worse. Prepare for and serve a full-time mission if you're an unmarried male or for couples without children. Uh, assist in church maintenance and cleanup. Obtain a college degree, if at all possible. Participate in local, state, national politics. Hold a weekly family home evening. Accept all church callings and assignments. Avoid doctrinal church intellectual and certain symposia. And strive to do good continually. To endure to the end. Endure to the end. All of this stuff, all of these things are the commandments that Jesus has given them that by obeying, they might have the spirit to be with them. When they renew their covenants, at the sacramental table when it's given to them in their sacrament meetings. It's all going through their head. And if a woman goes into her bishop and she says, you know, bishop, I just really am not feeling the spirit. That bishop could probably ferret out that she's doing everything I just said, but is not doing family home evening and say, you know, the prophet has said, perhaps the spirit is not with you because you're failing in that one area. Or I get a tattoo. You know, Bishop, I don't feel, well, you know, the prophet said, I don't think you're going to have the fullness of the spirit if you break that commandment. And suddenly Jesus command to 11 men prior to his death to eat unleavened bread and drink wine until he comes to save them changes completely. It becomes an overwhelming, weighty serpent looming around the necks of these dear people who I love with the constant threat of extinguishing the spirit, which is life, right? Extinguishing the spirit if they don't live up to every one of the commandments they have uh, said they would. Join us 
tomorrow night, um, Tuesday night, September 10th, as we talk about this now that you've heard the core presentation, call in, especially if you're LDS or if you believe that there's merit in the communion. And let's talk about it. But let's talk about what the Lord's commandments are specifically and what's on your life to be a Christian. What do you have to do to please Christ? I would love to have that conversation with you here on Heart of the Matter. Thank you.